The AMA, the organization that is here to make our profession better. Are you aware they're making millions selling data about you and me to the drug companies? You're listening to Reach MDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today is Robert Rastusha from the Prescription Project. He's executive director, and Dr. Benjamin Schaefer, a cardiologist in private practice and representing the National Physicians Alliance. Gentlemen, let's mention again what data mining is in a sentence. Who wants to take it? This is Rob. Data is purchased from pharmacies, insurers, and PBMs. That data is taken by data mining companies that then tie it into the AMA's master file. The data has very detailed information about the practice patterns and the biographical information of the physicians. That's then taken by the pharmaceutical companies to really micro-market and to be very specific in terms of marketing to individual physicians to get them to move away from drugs that potentially are are generic drugs into drugs that are being sold by the detailers, generally brand name drugs. The pharmacies here are just as guilty. They're making money selling this information, like Walgreens and all the big pharmacists. Do they get paid for their information? The PBMs get paid for the information. uh, PBM, what's a PBM? It's a pharmacy benefit manager. So, And there is a connection. Oftentimes, a CVS or Walgreens will have a financial relationship to the PBM, and they will be reimbursed. Wow. Okay. So, look, we're not saying here that the AMA is the evil empire. We're saying they found a financial way to make money, and some of us are not happy with it, and maybe we need to do something within the organization. Now, only 30% of American doctors supposedly are members of the AMA. So what do we do? What can we do within the organization? And what's happening within the AMA? I understand there's been some movement to try and stop this, and it keeps getting tabled. This has been. um, I think the first thing to do is to become aware that this is happening. One also should, of course, uh, use best evidence to prescribe what one is prescribing. I think while we, as the National Physician Alliance, do think the AMA program is not sufficient, I would people certainly encourage to opt out if they are understand that this is the right thing to do and this is a practice that is I think, harmful to our patients. Okay, opt out. Now, this is the program where you can sign up with the AMA and supposedly our reps don't get our data. Do you have to belong to the AMA to opt out or can anybody opt out? Anybody they have data on can opt out. I've opted out while I was still a member of the AMA. They use certain identifiers to identify the individual physician. And from the top of my head, I don't know what this is if you're not an AMA member. But it is uh, possible to opt out. It is also possible to opt out of the AMA selling any data to other organizations, um, such as you know the throwaway journals you get through the mail, etc. Is that a, is that a separate opt out or? That's a separate opt out. I didn't even know about that. Do either of you gentlemen know and can give us directions how we do that? Do we just call the AMA or is there a website or? There is a website which is a couple of clicks away from the main AMA website. And as far as I remember, when I did that, there is an online form you can fill out. You can also send them uh, a request by mail, just stating you're identifying yourself and stating that what kind of opt-out you want. Uh, there's an opt-out out of everything, and the pharmaceutical prescription data opt-out is separate and has a separate website. 
Okay, if you've just joined us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on Reach MDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and I'm speaking today with Robert Restusha and Benjamin Schaefer about how the AMA sells our data to pharmaceutical companies for big dollars, 40-some million dollars a year. This is kind of stunning because I don't think a lot of our colleagues know about this. Let's talk about conflict of interest in pharmaceutical companies. What can we do in our own offices to prevent conflicts of interest? So this is Rob. I think one of the things is to really look at the practices of the pharmaceutical industry and to limit the interactions with the detailers. Physicians are looking for unbiased information about pharmaceuticals. Essentially, what you have when a detailer comes into your office is someone who is coming in with uh, essentially what can be called propaganda around a particular drug. These are people who aren't well-trained. They don't have medical degrees. And there are other alternatives to find uh, information about uh, pharmaceuticals. The fact that they come in and provide gifts to physicians, dinners to physicians, is quite problematic to the consumer. And uh, I think you need to think about what a patient would think about some of the practices of the industry and your relationship to them. So we are, as an organization, promoting guidelines for academic medical centers, for medical associations, and for private payers. And I know uh, the National Physicians Organization is really in the process of developing guidelines for individual physicians that could be used across the country in the interactions between particular physicians and the pharmaceutical. I love it. It's ethics. Could you send them to our senators and congressmen, too, and ask them, (laughs) please, to follow the same guidelines? Well, you know, it's interesting because we have been talking to a lot of people in Congress, and I don't know if you saw the New York Times article last Friday, but legislation has been proposed by Senators Grassley and Cole that would require disclosure of gifts from pharmaceutical companies to physicians above $25. And this is receiving a lot of attention across the country. What we hear from congressional staffers is that their conflict of interest policies are actually much stricter than what happens with physicians. And what's acceptable to journalists, to lawyers, to congressional staffers, the restrictions that they live under, physicians don't. There's an anomaly in this country where physicians are allowed to be plied with gifts and dinners from drug companies, and theoretically that's not impacting on their practice. You know, we think otherwise, and uh, we really think the profession needs to step up and look at these practices and make some internal changes. The profession needs the AMA and the professional organizations really need to step up the plate and look at, you know, what is the relationship between the pharmaceutical industry and the profession? Right. It's called getting back to ethics. Talking about when the reps come in with their propaganda, we just did an informal survey on a a web group called DermChat among dermatologists, and we asked the question, how many of you, when they come in with those detailed pieces, read them or what do you do with them? And the vast majority of doctors said, I just throw them away because they know that they're junk, and pharmaceutical companies are giving us all this junk, and there's really no factual basis to it. We do know that. This is Ben. Yeah, I think that that's what a lot of people do. I think, however, that a lot of physicians may be in denial about the sort of very subtle psychologically influence that uh, these visits are causing. One thing is 
sort of the human nature wants to sort of reciprocate to little favors that are done to us, like just, you know, a sandwich and lunch. Or the other thing is that when I look over physicians' offices and certainly my practice here, I'm a part of a 15 cardiologist group. You know, the drug labels are all over the place on pens, on pads, and I think we cannot emphasize enough that it's been well shown that, that these things indeed matter. What angered me as as a physician um, uh, was I trained in medicine at a place that absolutely prohibited drug reps from entering the hospital. When I did my fellowship, every single conference where medical students and residents attended was sponsored by pharmaceutical companies that provided material, food, etc., without anybody ever talking or thinking about it until very late in my fellowship where people sort of piped up and said, well, this is really not right. But it's really amazing how soon uh, pharmaceutical companies start to influence physicians. They basically start in medical school, and people grow up with this. Absolutely, that black bag. And we used to get vanilla from one company. I think I forget who it was, Lily. They gave us bottles of vanilla. Well, I would like each of you to just give us a link to your organization. So if our listeners want to find out more or join you, I think it would be a really good thing. So let's start with Rob. I don't know if you can even be joined, the Prescription Project, but where can we find you? We are at prescriptionproject.org. We are interested in talking to physicians who are working concerned about these issues and willing to do some work. We're, you know, in many different states across the country. We are working at a number of different levels, and they should feel free to email us, and we'll get you connected and involved. We're working very closely with the NPA and AMSA and other physician organizations. And Ben? Our organization is at npalliance, one word, npalliance.org. You can join us if you are a physician in the United States or graduated from a medical school, and we welcome anybody. We don't have any pledges to take. We have a lot of information on that website on the issues we talked about and then other issues. Just to play Angel's Advocate here for a second, do you think that there's a possibility of working with drug companies and using their sponsorship for healthy events, for healthy things without being influenced? This has been... Yes, I mean, I see that, you know, from the pharmaceutical company's perspective, that marketing is what they need to do to sell their product. And most drugs are helpful to people. That's why we use them. I think, though, the sort of car sales approach to pharmaceutical products, sort of the pure business sense, is not the right thing. I think um, we have to work on a business that deals with patients' lives and well-being, um, we have to apply higher ethics. This includes um, refraining from undue influence of physicians. So, Rob, comments on that? I think that the pharmaceutical industry knows that there's a frontal assault on these practices, and it's not just data mining, it's the broader issues. They are being lumped with the tobacco industry, and I think in people's minds and uh, in terms of these marketing practices, you know, internally we know that there is a lot of discussion and there's a number of people who are really good people within the industry who want to change this and know they can't go on. So there's a growing movement, I think, both inside and outside the industry to address these concerns. 
the pharmaceutical industry does do some wonderful things, and we want to promote those wonderful things. But in the process of doing those wonderful things, they've also created a little bit of a monster here that uh, is impacting both patients and the profession. Yeah, there's always a dark side. I did an article a few years ago for Physicians Executive Magazine, I think it was, about called Give Us What We Want, and said, stop sending us geishas, stop giving us pens. You could pay for education and pay for things like that, and we'd appreciate it more. Well, Rob and Ben, thanks for being our guest today and letting us, making us aware, really, about data mining and the pharmaceutical industry. And there's many, many more discussions to be had in the future about returning ourselves to an ethical practice. I'm going to go to my office and throw all my pens out and buy my own. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMDXM is here for you, the health professionals who care for your patients. Tell us what you want and what you need. Send your email to xm at reachmd.com. We value your questions. We thank you for listening, especially to subjects like this, which we at ReachMD feel are very, very important for our American physicians to learn about and to act on.